0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Work Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. I tell you what, this, today, this day, whether you realize it or not, man, it is the greatest day in the history of the world because, listen, a couple thousand years ago, Jesus Christ died, right? you know that. It was a Friday night. Jesus died, man. And can you imagine what those couple of days were like for his followers, for his disciples, for the people that believed in him, for the people that trusted him with their entire lives? All of a sudden, the, their hero, their savior, everything that he was to them, he's, he straight up died. And they saw him die. And he's gone for a couple of days, man. I can't imagine going two or three days without Jesus in 2018. I couldn't go three days without Jesus. But here's the place where they were at. Jesus died. He died, but he made this promise. He said, they're going to kill me. Yeah. But within three days, I'm going to come back. I'm going to rebuild this temple. And he came back. He died on Friday, but Sunday was coming. And some of you today, you're like, man, I feel like it's Friday right now and not in the good way. Not thank God it's Friday. Like everything just died. Everything just fell apart on Friday. But my news today is this, is that not only is Sunday coming, but Sunday is here Today is your day for a resurrection in your life. Today is your day to pick up the broken pieces and put them back together and watch God do something great in your life. And there's a few things I want to say to you today. And we won't be too long because I know we've got kids back there that they are just chomping at the bit to go pick up eggs. And I told them, we got over 5,000 eggs out there. Those kids better pick up every single egg. All right. Dude, I am not going out there this week to pick up eggs when it's 90 degrees in Barstow. So tell your kids, every egg's going to go. I don't want to see any eggs after this afternoon. So, but the title today is this of our messages. It's Sunday morning. And listen, we have an outline to kind of follow along with the message. Just a few things to fill in the blanks. So if you'd like an outline, raise your hand. One of our ushers, uh, they'll make sure to get one in your hand. But one thing that I've realized is a lot of people... They, they see Jesus. They see they see Jesus as being somebody that I mean, yeah, he 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 maybe faced trouble on Easter. He did die and all that stuff, but he had it pretty good up until then. He couldn't possibly know what I'm going through. But what I need to tell you today is this: is that believe it or not, you and Jesus have a lot in common. You're like me. I don't even have a beard. I don't even wear a robe around. No, seriously, you and Jesus, you have more in common. Probably than what you think you have in common. I'm gonna just throw this verse up on the screen, but for you to, and, and check this out. It says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God, so Jesus is your high priest, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Well, how could Jesus possibly understand my weaknesses, my struggles and what I'm going through? Here's why Jesus can relate to your struggle. Why could he relate? Because he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. And so any area of your life that maybe has been a struggle, any area of your life that you could say, I don't think Jesus can get, I don't, I I don't think he can relate to this one. I think that I'm dealing with something that Jesus couldn't possibly begin to understand. Listen to me. Jesus did face that same situation in some form or another, but the fact of the matter is this, is that he overcame it and he promises us That if we'll do things his way, you can overcome any obstacle. We all know for with God, all things are possible, right? And people love to quote that. But a lot of times they're just focusing on all things are possible. But listen to me. It's not that all things are possible. It's for with God, all things are possible with you. Not all things are possible. And I know we love to hear this phrase and I hear it all the time. You can do anything you can put your mind to. You know what? I'm calling a bluff on that. That is not true. I put my mind into making it to the NBA. I never made it. I'm 32 and I'm still waiting for that call, but it has not come yet. And I really put my mind to it. You know what? I know people that they put their mind to a lot of things and that's great. You should do that. But that's a lie that you can do anything you put your mind to. But I'll tell you this. For with God, when we do things according to his will, all things are possible. God didn't tell me to play in the NBA. I just thought it'd be cool to have millions of dollars and be able to dunk and that neither of those things happen. But God did call me to move to the desert. God did call me to be a preacher. And I'm doing that right now. And listen, I love every second of it. But the fact of the matter is we have to do things God's way. Because on our own, I've done a lot of things in my own strength, man. I can't even build a a house out of toothpicks in my own strength. But with God, I can do anything that he needs me to. And so we're going to look very briefly this morning at just a few of the areas that Jesus was tested in that I'll bet some people in this room today are being tested in. And so the number one thing I'm going to say to this this morning, number one is Jesus faced family issues. You're like, yeah, right. His mom was Mary. And Mary was great. We love Mary. That's that's fine. But check it out. Jesus himself faced family issues. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands in here, but I'll bet if I were to ask, I could say everybody in here has faced some sort of family issues. I have. We've all faced them. I mean, some of your families, they put the fun and dysfunctional. You know what I mean? Like, it's they, they can't get along on anything. And... Listen, Jesus faced family issues because Jesus, he had brothers and sisters. All right. Now, the Virgin Mary was a virgin when Jesus was born. But I'm not going to go into all this, but she didn't stay that way. She ended up having more kids. And Jesus was the only one that was born by immaculate conception. The rest of them, that had to happen the old fashioned way. Okay, you had to get Joseph involved in all this stuff. And it happened. But Jesus had brothers and sisters, and the truth is, is that they didn't necessarily get along with him and like him all the time. And can you blame them? Can you imagine having Jesus as a big brother? Think about this. Nothing you could possibly ever do is going to be as good as what your big brother did, ever. Because he's perfect. Perfect. And think about it. You go to fight with him. You go to you go to, you know, have a, you know, just call names and all this stuff. And every single time he turns the other cheek. What is up with this? I mean, I there's eight kids in my family. I've got four brothers and they are just complete. uh, I don't know. They're they're, there. They're They're a work. They're a work in progress. They're not like me. I'm kidding. They're better than me. But at the same time, I mean, I can't imagine growing up every single time we got into it, that one of us would have turned the other cheek and said, it's to Hit this cheek, too. Or I'll go the extra mile or I'm just going to love you and forgive you anyway. But Jesus did this. He's perfect. Can you imagine how annoying it would be? uh, We all love him. But how annoying would it be to have Jesus as a big brother? You know, you come to your mom with problems. Mom, what do I do in this in this situation? Well, what would Jesus do? Come, seriously. I mean, they made bracelets about this guy. And this is your big brother. And so no doubt about it. Jesus brothers probably dealt with some jealousy issues. And I want to show you an example in John chapter seven. We're going to look at verses two through five here. John seven of a time when Jesus brothers did not necessarily appreciate who he was. I think they got a little bit tired of it. But John chapter 7, verses 2 through 5, and this is at one of the Jewish festivals. It says, but soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. And Jesus' brother said to him, leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. They were not saying this in a, you go, brother, let him see your miracles. They were mocking him, saying, man, you did Go to the big crowds if you're really going to do miracles, Jesus. They were mocking him. They were not complimenting him. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, why don't you show yourself to the world? How would you like that? First and brothers right there. I mean, you've been the, the blind have been getting healed. You've been turning water into wine, raising the dead. And your very own brothers don't even appreciate it. They mock you. They say, if you're all that man, why don't you go to the big city and try your stuff? Well, don't don't hide out over here. But look at this verse five for even his brothers did not believe in him. Even his brother. And so. Here you are, man. maybe you've had dreams, maybe you've had something that you feel like you're supposed to do in life and your own family doesn't even believe you can do it. Maybe you've made some mistakes, maybe you haven't lived a squeaky clean life up until this point, but you're trying now and your own family's like, ah, I don't, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, I don't buy that. Listen, you are not the only one. Jesus himself had his brothers not even believe in him. They mocked him. They made fun of him for doing good things. And listen, Jesus can relate to having family issues because Jesus himself faced Family issues. And I'll bet there's other things you got to realize Jesus. He, he was a half brother. Joseph was his stepfather. He was raised in a blended family like some of some of us in here. Listen, Jesus can relate. That's one of the things I love about Jesus is he came to this earth and he lived as a human being. He knows what it's like to be on planet Earth. He knows what it's like to have to live life surrounded by annoying people, by people that don't like you, by people that give you a hard time every day. Jesus knows what it's like to live life on planet Earth. He's touchable. He can understand and relate. And so I'm telling you, Jesus faced family issues. But the second thing is this. Jesus faced hatred. There were people... That not only didn't believe in Jesus, that not only did not like Jesus, there were people that hated Jesus. And it's worth noting right now that we talk about Jesus in the past tense, but he's still very much alive. That's why we're sitting here today. And so there's people in 2018 that hate Jesus. I hear people say stuff, man. It doesn't to go around and say, oh, it's not Jesus stuff, man. Jesus, give me a break, man. And, and there are people to this day that, that, that hate, and, and people will make fun of us. You believe in someone you've never seen? You hate someone you've never seen? You hate him! And you've never seen him! So don't make fun of me, man, because in some way or another, he's changed my life, and I'll go into that later, but listen to me. I'd rather believe in someone I've never seen that has changed my life more than anybody that I have seen than hate somebody who I've never seen. And there are people in 2018 that they hate Jesus. They hate him. And and I'll tell you what, he loves them anyway. He doesn't say, well, they hate me. I don't want to be there for them. No, he's saying they may hate me, but i die for them again. I would lay down my life again for that person. So Jesus absolutely faced hatred and maybe there's some of you in here today that you right now you have some people that really don't like you very much. I think all of us have somebody that probably does not want to be your best friend. But beyond that, maybe some of you could say, now listen, I'm dealing with hatred right now. I got people that hate me, and hopefully you wouldn't say this, but maybe you could say, and I hate them back. You realize that repaying hatred with hatred, that, that does a lot of good, doesn't it? That's proven itself to work gloriously for thousands of years when you hate somebody back that already hates you. That works fantastic. Actually, no, it it fails every single time. But Jesus... He loved the people that hated him. He loved the people that absolutely crucified him. But but let's move on here. John chapter 8. Most of our verses today are in the book of John. John chapter 8. And I want to show you just an example of people that not only didn't like Jesus, they hated him. They wanted to kill him way before the cross ever came about. So John chapter 8. Verses 58 and 59, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. He's saying, listen, and he's saying this to Jewish people who love Abraham. He says, I'll tell you what, before Abraham was even around, I was around. I am. And to a Jewish person, that's about the biggest thing you could say. Because I am is what God called himself in the Old Testament. He said, what, what, people are asking who, who, who sent me? I am. Tell them, I am has sent you. I am encompasses everything that God is. Because what do you need today? Do you need peace? Guess what? Jesus is saying, oh, that's good for you. I am peace. Are you depressed and maybe you need joy in your life? Jesus is saying, today is your day because I am joy. Maybe you need healing in your body like me. I had leukemia and I almost died. But Jesus showed up and said, I am am healing and I was healed and it's incredible. But listen to me, whatever you need today, Jesus is saying today is your day because I am that whatever it is you need. And so Jesus tells this crowd, listen, before Abraham was around, I am. And that ticks the people off. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. And now, I mean, I've made people mad, but they never come at me with stones to stone me. And so Jesus has experienced hatred beyond anything that I've experienced. But look at John chapter 10. You flip over a page here. John chapter 10. People were trying to take Jesus out way before his time. He had an appointed time to die. John chapter 10, verse 30. Jesus told another crowd, the father and I are one. The father and I are one. And once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. What is it with these people and rocks? They're like obsessed with throwing rocks at you. I don't agree with you. I'm going to throw rocks at you. I mean, good Lord, put the rocks down. Let's talk about this for a minute. But every time they get mad, they want to throw rocks at Jesus. And so they pick up the stones once again to kill him. And Jesus said, okay, at my father's direction, I've done many good works. For which one are you going to stone me? You're going to kill me for healing blind people? You're going to kill me for feeding the poor? You're going to kill me for raising the dead? Pick your choice. What are you going to kill me for today? But look at this. At verse thirty-three, they replied, "We're stoning you not for any good work, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, you're claiming to be God. By saying that I'm a son of God, they thought he was. They they were like, we're going to kill you, man. You are putting yourself on the same level as God." People hated Jesus just for speaking the truth. And I can tell you this. If you tell somebody the truth in 2018, they will probably hate you because people are terrified of the truth in our day and age. Why is that? Because the truth, it'll set you free. But chances are it'll tick you off before it sets you free. Because listen, there have been times that someone's told me the truth and it is not what I want to hear. And it made me mad. Well, who are you to tell me? Who do you think you are? But in the end... When I listen to that truth, I'm like, you know what? That's right, man. And when I have received the truth, it's changed my life every time. But usually it takes me off in the first place. And so maybe you're here today, and you're a little apprehensive about being in a church. I mean, maybe us church people are a little bit weird. We are. We're a little bit weird. But it's okay. It's okay. It's a good weird. But, but maybe you're here and you're like, man, I don't know about all this. Listen to me. Maybe it's rubbing you the wrong way. But t- I tell you what, the truth will set you free. Look at all these kids that were up here, man. Talk about innocence. Talk about purity right there. And Jesus said, unless you become as the children, you'll never see the kingdom of heaven. Jesus told adults. Again and again, you've got to be like these kids, man. You've got to be like them. They're loving, they're sweet, and they believe without ever seeing. You've got to be like the kids to get into heaven. But not one time ever did Jesus come up to a group of kids and say, you guys need to be like the adults. You need, you need Grow up. Be like these adults. Why did he never say that? Because adults are the screwed up ones, man. We're messed up in here. We think they're crazy for doing, I mean, eating boogers and stuff. And that is weird. You should not eat boogers. Don't do that. But it's better than some of the stuff that we're doing. (laughs) At least they're not going online blasting people. At least they're not tearing, you know, gossiping and ruining people's lives with their vicious words behind a phone screen like some people do. I'd rather see a five-year-old eat a boogie than than see you destroy somebody with gossip. So anyway, Jesus said... Jesus said, man, you've got to be like the kids if you want to get into the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus faced hatred. And I don't want you to get the idea that, well, man, he had a really great life up until Easter. No, people tried to kill him all the time. His brothers made fun of him. His family didn't believe in him. And then when he started going out and preaching, people picked up rocks to kill him everywhere he looked. But listen to me. He didn't give up. Number three is this. Maybe you've faced this one. Jesus faced betrayal. He faced betrayal. Now, check it out. Uh, It doesn't bother me that much when somebody I don't even know says mean things about me. Because, like, whatever. I don't care. You know, I don't even know you. Maybe even somebody I don't like when they say mean things. It's like, yeah, whatever. But when somebody I love turns their back on me, when somebody I love that says I'll be there for you till the end, and then they're not, gotta admit, that hurts a little bit. And maybe you've been in here and you've been betrayed at some point or another. Maybe you've brought that pain in here this morning. Somebody that said they'd be there for you until the day you die turned their back on you. Maybe they sold you out. Jesus knows what that's like. He went through that. Jesus himself was betrayed and not just by Judas. So I want to look at a story here really quickly in John chapter 6. Because I'm telling you, man. Any scenario, anything that you faced, Jesus has faced the same type of situation in some way or another. Jesus was betrayed. John chapter 6 verse 66, you know that Jesus had more than just 12 disciples. He had a lot more than that, but we're very familiar with the main 12 that he had. But he had a lot more followers and disciples than just the 12. John 6 verse 66, Jesus said something that the people didn't agree with. It says, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. These weren't just people that came to hear him preach. These were some of his disciples, people that actually said, Jesus, we're with you, man. We're going to follow you forever. He says something they don't agree with. They turned their backs on Jesus Christ and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, all right, you guys going to leave me too? What's next? You guys leaving? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. And so I can just see this moment in Jesus' eyes, hear it in his voice. People that he thought was going to be with him forever, they, they straight up desert him and ditch him. And so he turns to his very closest. He says, all right, who's next? You guys going to leave too? There's the door. Go ahead. And Peter says, listen, where else would we go? We've laid down everything for you. And that's the place that I found myself right now is if everybody else in Barstow, if everybody else in the world said, Now this Jesus thing isn't real. We're, we're out of here. I'm going to say I've put everything that I have into Jesus being real. I, I've, I've everything, man. I, I, I've turned down money. I've, everything. I've got nowhere else to go. If this Jesus thing isn't real, then I, I'm done for, man, because I have put all of my stock in this one thing being real. And, you know, if you're an investor, they say, well, you don't want to invest everything. You want to have a, a diverse portfolio and, and invest, invest some over here and over there. Spread it out. But listen, I've put everything into one basket and said, I'm staking my life on the fact that Jesus Christ is real. He did raise me up off of a deathbed, so it's pretty hard to convince me that he's not real. But at the same time, I've everything, man, I've put everything into this one thing that Jesus is who he says he is. That he really is the son of God. He really did die. He really did raise again. And I'm telling you, I'm convinced that Jesus is real. More real than any person sitting in this room today. But Jesus faced betrayal. And so let's look at the story of Judas In Luke chapter 22, Luke chapter 22, and so, of course, Jesus, he had a lot of followers. He had a lot of people that loved him, a lot of people that hated him. But he had these 12 that were his absolute closest people. And you know who Judas is. You've heard of Judas. Jesus trusted Judas because Jesus put Judas in charge of the money. Jesus was the treasurer for Jesus Christ Ministries International. If there was such a thing. But, but he was the treasurer and he was in charge of the finances. And I'll bet he was skimming off the top all the time, man. He was probably like, okay, one for me, one for Jesus. Two for me, one for Jesus. He was, probably, he was a thief, man. This guy was messed up. But Jesus loved him and Jesus saw the best in him. Just like a lot of us, man, we may have some screwed up stuff about us, but Jesus still sees that potential. Like, I I know, I know, but I see something right there. I've got to get a hold of this guy because I see something on her that I could use. But look at this. Luke chapter 22, verses three through six. We're talking about the Last Supper right here. And so this was just the other night, Thursday night, if you're following the Holy Week. Then Satan entered into Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve disciples. And he went to the leading priests and captains of the temple guard to discuss the best way to betray Jesus to them. Can you this is one of his best friends. Going to the soldiers, going to the authorities, discussing, okay, I'm gonna hand them over to you guys. Let's figure out the best way to do this. What a backstabber, man. What a betrayer. What a fool. What a bad person to sell Jesus Christ out. But here he is. And so they were delighted and they promised to give him money. So they're selling Jesus out for money now. So he agreed and he began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus so they could arrest him when the crowds weren't around. They're like, we've got to do this sneaky. we got to get a hold of Jesus when there's not a lot of people. Because if we do it when thousands of people are around, they're just going to rescue him. We'll have a mob. Let's find the sneakiest way to get this job done. And so this little backstabber, this betrayer, he finds a way to sell Jesus out to the Romans. Look at verses 47 and 48. So Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane praying before he's betrayed and he's down there praying. But even as Jesus said this, a crowd approached and we're talking about a mob with torches getting ready to hang him out to dry. So this mob comes walking through the night led by Judas, one of the 12 disciples. Judas walked over to Jesus to greet him with a kiss. What a backstabber, man. You betray Jesus like you're coming up as a friend. He walks up and he's like, hey, Jesus, it's me. Good to see you. I'm going to and he greets him and kisses him on the cheek. But Jesus knew what was up. Jesus said, Judas, would you betray? Are you going to betray the son of man with a kiss? At least do it like a man. At least come out here and say, I sold him out. Here's the man you're looking for. But Judas was such a stinking backstabber, so evil, so twisted, that he comes up to Jesus and gives him a kiss like he's there to pray with him. Like he's there to join in with the others. And Jesus says, all right, Judas, you're going to betray me with a kiss. Can't believe this. And so that's what happens. And we know that later on, Judas, when he sees what happens to Jesus... He's filled with such remorse that he takes a rope and hangs himself because he sold Jesus Christ for a little bit of money. Was that 11 pieces of silver or something like that? Just sold it for a few coins. The life of Jesus is worth 11 pieces of silver to you. That is messed up right there. But I'm telling you today, if you're sitting here saying, man, the person that married me, the person that said they'd love me forever, they've betrayed me. My own children, my own mom, my own dad, my best friend said they'd be there forever. They stabbed me, man. They betrayed me. Listen, you're not the only one. It happened to Jesus, too. You are not the only one who thought you could count on somebody. But in the end, they stabbed you in the back. Number four, Jesus faced impossible odds. And maybe you're facing impossible odds right now. I know that in my life, Jesus has... Rescued me from the impossible time and time again. And when I was three years old, I was diagnosed with leukemia and uh, I, I became crippled and I, flat out, I couldn't walk more than two steps and I'd collapsed to the ground and it was, I mean, I remember some of this I was a little guy but I do remember it I remember some of that pain so they put me in a children's hospital in Indianapolis, Indiana man I'm getting blood drawn it seemed like by the gallon I was getting these things called spinal taps I still got scars on my back nearly 30 years later from being a 3 year old and getting stuff crammed up my spine and I'm, I'm not going to lie it hurt pretty dang bad it hurt really bad. But one night, I go to bed. I think it was 1988, 1989, 89, And I go to bed full of, full of cancer, man. My body is full of cancer everywhere. and they, they, I mean, it's proven. I'm in the hospital. And they're doing everything, man. They're pumping blood in and out of me. I wake up the next morning. They go to do my blood. And there's zero cancer in my blood. Zero. All right, man, something's wrong. And so, I mean, they're drawing blood from me and I, you know, and the thing is I couldn't walk and I got up from this hospital bed and I started running through the hospital like a madman, but I was only three and I was dancing and going crazy. Like what's wrong? He can't walk and I'm running and dancing and, and they're taking my blood and for years and years and years, here it is 30 years later, they're still looking for the cancer and they can't find it 30 years later. Why is that? Because Jesus is alive He's alive, man. I was I, I put everything that I have into this fact that Jesus is alive and he rescued me from death, man. And I can't imagine what my parents were going through watching all this. But they believed that I was not going to die, that I was going to live. And here I am. And, and I give all that, that glory to God, man. I couldn't obviously couldn't rescue myself from cancer. And I'm telling you what, you can't just put your mind To getting over cancer and get over it. It takes more than that. It takes something bigger than you. And so some of you, you really trust in yourselves. But that's a pretty dangerous spot to be in, man. Because you do not have all the answers. You will eventually face a problem that your intelligence can't figure out. You will eventually face a situation that your own strength cannot get you out of. You're going to one of these days have to turn somewhere. And you're going to have to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You can do it now. Or you can be stubborn and hard headed and uh, wait till it's too late. But one of these days, I promise you, I promise you, I would stake my life on it. One of these days, you will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. I hope it's now. I hope it's not after you've taken your last breath. So Jesus faced impossible odds. And I've got, uh, Heather, I've got a little video clip here just to kind of show us, maybe a reminder. Of a little bit of what Jesus went through. This probably isn't totally accurate, but just a little taste of what Jesus went through. And when I see this, I'm like, yeah, that's worse than I've ever had it. That's worse than what I had. So go ahead. Let's just take a quick look at some of what Jesus faced. The life he gave. Letting you down. So we can see a little bit there of, of what Jesus went through. But it's hard for us to imagine because, well, I mean, I'm not, I've never seen anything like that in person. But I will say this, that Luke told us in Luke 22 that the night before this happened, Jesus was aware of what was getting ready to happen because in ancient Rome, you knew what crucifixion was, man? They would have people hanging on crosses sometimes for days before they would die. Days. You'd see, see his body hanging there, man, waiting for it to take his last breath. Jesus knew what was coming. And in Luke 22, it says he was in such agony of spirit that he began to sweat blood out of his pores. I mean, th- 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 that's crazy, man. And, and I, I have looked it up that it is possible for the human body to reach such a level of anxiety and stress. That a human being will literally begin to sweat blood. It's super rare. But Jesus was there standing in a pool of his own blood. And no one had even hit him yet. But he knew what was happening. Isaiah 52 it says that Jesus was beaten so bad, you couldn't even recognize that he was a human being. It says that he, he, was, he was just a piece of, of, of raw meat standing there just beaten and, and, and pulverized. It says you wouldn't even know it was a man by looking at him. That's what Jesus went through. So what I'm saying today is this, is that I've never had it that bad, though I have faced some things in life. But the truth of the matter is this, as we all know, that that was not enough to stop Jesus from coming back and and raising from the dead and overcoming the worst odds that anybody has ever seen. Because they take his body off of that cross, they put it in a tomb, they roll a stone in front of it, and then they put armed guards in front of it. They put the seal of the Roman governor in front of it, and it's a death sentence to break the seal of the governor, and they put all that on there. And, I mean, talk about how could it possibly get any worse than this? This is the worst day of your life if you're a follower of Jesus back then. But here we are. He told these people, listen, they're going to kill me, man. They're going to murder me. But it's not going to be forever. Within three days, I'm coming back. I'll be right back. And so all these people, they're terrified. Like, what are we going to do now? He was everything, man. He was our only hope. But sure enough, man, that was Friday. But Sunday was coming. Sunday was coming. And here you are, man. You may be like, I'm facing the worst thing in my life. Guess what? Sunday is here. It's Sunday morning. And today is your day for a resurrection. Maybe your life has been blown to pieces. Maybe you're just trying to pit. Listen, today's your day for a resurrection because Jesus wants to do the same thing for you. I promise you, he wants to do the same thing for you. So number five is this is that Jesus faced all these things, but in the end, Jesus overcame. Jesus overcame. And so the last verse I'll show you here is Matthew chapter 28. We're going to look at verses 1 through 5. Man, the best verses in the whole Bible, Jesus came back to life. Because listen, you think it's bad now? How bad would it be if Jesus didn't come back to life? What if he was still laying in that grave? If he didn't come back to life, man, my life would have no purpose. I would be lost. I, I don't know what I would. I'd be depressed. I'd be an absolute mess. I wouldn't want to live in this world without Jesus. But the good news is that not only did Jesus die, that happened, but the best news is that he didn't stay dead. He came back to life and he paved the way for me to have a good life, to have a great life. To live with Him. So Matthew chapter 28 verses 1 through 5. Early on Sunday morning. Somebody say, Sunday morning. morning. As the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. And check this out. I love this. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. Sometimes God's going to shake things up a little bit in your life. And I'm telling you, man, maybe today's your day. You're getting shaken a little bit and it doesn't feel comfortable to get shaken. But you're in here right now and you're just getting shaken. God is getting a hold of you. You may be fighting it. You may "Oh, that's not for me. That's for you. That's not. It's for you. Jesus is for you today, man. And so, this earthquake comes, it shakes everything, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. And I imagine this man, I didn't think he was just sitting there with his hands folded, I think he was like, try me. Who wants some? I mean, I think Jesus was sitting on this stone. The the angel was sitting on this stone with absolute authority saying, man, come get some. Who wants this? And so he's sitting there like a boss. Verse three, his face shone like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him. And so here we are. We've got, I mean, the Navy SEALs of the Romans said they're shaking with fear because of one angel. So you think you're a tough man? An angel could come and thump you and knock you into next year. You're nothing. So here he is. I mean, the, the best, the Roman soldiers, dude, the SEALs, the Marine Corps of the Romans, they're shaken with fear over an angel that came down. And when they saw him, it says, and they fell into a dead faint. They're passing out. They're, they're falling on the ground, man, like sissies. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. But he isn't here. That's the best news of all time. Those are the most beautiful words that I have ever heard. If he had said, I know you're looking for Jesus and his body's actually to the back of the tomb. Follow me to the back. That would be doomsday, man. That would be the worst news ever. But the angel didn't say that. He said, you're looking for Jesus, but he is not here. Jesus didn't stay dead. Why not? Because He is risen from the dead, just as He said would happen. And so today, man, you may feel like, man, my life's gone. It's in pieces. Today's your day for a resurrection. Today is your Sunday. Today is your third day. If you are, are, if you can just lay down your pride for two minutes of your life, if you could just lay it down for a couple of minutes and admit that you are not all that. You are not the know all, do all, see all. You are not all that without Jesus Christ. Today is your day for a resurrection. How do I know this? Because Romans eight eleven says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of you. And so and that may sound like a lot of power, but guess what? That same power is in this room right now because there are hundreds of born-again Christians in this room. And that same power is on the inside of them. It healed me of cancer. It healed me of being crippled. It's restored my family. It's done everything that I've needed it to do. And Jesus wants to do the same thing for you today because he isn't dead. He is risen just like He said he was going to do. And so everything we've looked at today, I want you to get this. Jesus is not unrelatable to you. He can identify with your weaknesses, with your struggles, with the things that you're going through. But he has the answer to every single one because he overcame everything that was ever thrown against him. And I promise you this, you will overcome too if you'll receive him, if you'll let him start calling the shots Instead of you, oh genius one, calling all the shots for yourself. So I'm asking you today, I'm not here to embarrass anybody. I want you to stand up together. Let's, let's do this. Let's stand up together. And I am, I am so serious when I say that today is your day for resurrection. Today is your day to absolutely let Jesus come in and do what you need done, man. man. Some of you have been crying out for the same thing for years. And you still haven't figured it out. You still don't know why he left, why she left, why this happened, why that happened. And you're still trying to figure out, listen to me, today is Sunday. Today's the third day. Today is resurrection day. Not just for Jesus, but for you. And so, again, maybe we're here and we're saying, well, that's good for some people, but I don't know for me. It's for you. And so I do want to say a prayer together today. And I'm not even asking you to, to straight up come up or nothing like that. But I want us to pray together. And I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus have a crack at you. I want to see Jesus have a chance to do something in your life. Because it's not working on your own. It's, it's not working. We know that. You know that. It's obvious to everybody. You know that. It's time to let Jesus have a shot at you. So I want to pray this together, everybody. I want to pray it too. Let's bow our heads. Close our eyes. Let's say, Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died, that he rose again. I believe he overcame. And Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me for anything wrong I've done. I don't have all the answers, and I'm not strong enough to handle life on my own. Help me. Help me. Rescue me. Get me out of this. I'll live for you now. Resurrect me too. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.